Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Now today I want to talk about root canals. We did a dental episode a while ago, and it was one of the most popular episodes that Brian and I ever did. Uh, I had a lot of people say, hey, you know, do another dental episode. Uh, that was so great. The problem was there really wasn't much more that I felt confident in putting out there and talking about that, that would really make a, a big impact for people. One thing, though, that we did not cover in that episode was root canals. And I'll have that old episode in the show notes if you want to check it out. So root canals, you know, what they are, whether you should get one, you know, if you have one, what should you do, all of that. And I think a lot of people do have root canals. So hopefully this will be a very important uh, subject to be aware of. So if you don't know what a root canal is, it is basically a procedure that occurs when there is an abscess in the tooth, meaning an infection. Uh, the first root canals were actually given in 1838. So they've been around for quite a while. And there's even some evidence that they were given, you know, in much earlier times, like Roman times, where they would find uh, skulls with like little pieces of metal stuck in, in the roots of teeth. And so it's hypothesized that these, these root canals have been going on for quite a while. And what a dentist does in modern day times, not in Roman times, is they drill into a tooth and they use a very fine wire that's kind of like a hose. And they put that into the tooth and that sucks up all the pulp and root out of a tooth. It's, it's basically like you're hollowing a tooth out and just leaving a hollow bone uh, where an alive tooth used to be. The dentist then sterilizes it to the best of his or her ability and then fills that with a rubber material called uh, gutta percha. Now, gutta percha is a material that was discovered in 1847, and it's still basically the same stuff. When I read that, I thought, I mean, isn't there a better material that's been found since 1847, like, you know, chemistry revolution, releasing new chemicals, mystery chemicals into our environment all this time, and we can't figure out a new gutta percha? Anyways, so the gutta percha <laughs> is sealed into the hollow of the tooth. Uh, it's sealed up, sealed over, and that's it. Um, if the root canal was done right, your tooth, it should no longer hurt. Uh, the infection has hopefully been cleansed out and is gone. And you just, you, you don't have to pull the tooth. You get to keep it. There's just a few problems with this. The gutta percha is heated so that it can be put into the tooth, which makes the gutta percha expand. After it's in the tooth, it cools. Now, this cooling makes it contract a little bit, which can leave pockets within the tooth canal where bacteria may live. In particular, anaerobic bacteria may live there, which is much worse than the aerobic bacteria that live in our mouths all the time. So the whole premise of a root canal, which is that they're sterile and that there's no infection left, is somewhat questionable. Now, not only that, each tooth has what are called microtubules. Now, these are very tiny little tubes that run through your teeth, and bacteria are small enough that they can hide in those tubules, or they can get in them. And get this, this, I mean, this, this blew my mind when I heard it. Each tooth has three miles of microtubules, three miles. And they're so small, but on a microscopic level, it almost makes the tooth look porous, like at a very small level. All these little tubes are just going through your tooth. So it's just crazy. So what, what the critics say about root canals is that 
you are unable to fully sterilize them because the bacteria can find places to hide, either in gaps from the gutta percha or in the microtubules. Um, so you've hollowed out the tooth. You've, you've sucked out all of the life out of it. It isn't alive anymore. It's just, a, it's just a dead piece of bone. And therefore, it makes a perfect breeding ground for bacteria and fungi to live and then over time poison the person. So that, that's what the critics say about root canals in a nutshell. So in 2019, there was a documentary on Netflix called The Root Cause. Now, if you haven't seen this, you should definitely check it out. It's, it's no longer on Netflix. You're going to have to rent it from YouTube or Amazon or, or some other service. I think it's about four bucks. It's not that bad. Um, and it's pretty good. Now, I can see why they took it off Netflix, though. Um, it definitely has some junk science in there, and it criticizes just this massive moneymaker for dentists. So I, it's understandable why they took it down. The movie starts by detailing one man's journey to find a solution to his health problems. And I'm not going to lie, watching this guy was a bit like watching my own story of my life. So this guy, he's having all kinds of issues. He's having chronic fatigue, depression. You know, he's been given antidepressants, which makes his pee-pee not work. I mean, he's, he's in a bad place. <laughs> so... I, I should say I never was on antidepressants and my PP is working fine. But anyway, he's in really bad shape. So he goes on this epic journey, trying everything he can think of to fix himself. Um, he does supplements. He does detoxes, saunas, uh, spiritual healing. Uh, he even does this crazy frog poison called Campo, uh, Cambo. If, if you've never heard of this, this is where they put this poison of a frog on your arm and then they burn it into your arm with a stick that is smoldering after which you just begin to vomit uncontrollably for for like half an hour or an hour it's and it's supposed to be a cleanse i guess you know it's it's a super deep cleanse man just you got to go through it bro it just gets all the muck out so anyway nothing was really helping this guy he was doing all these crazy cleanses and stuff and little does he know that the root canal that he had done 10 years earlier is the culprit of his problems. It's it's pretty entertaining documentary. There are some questionable stats in there, though. Uh, some real quackery with regards to diagnosis. Uh, my favorite diagnostic quackery uh, was this finger prick that he did at one point. So these people, they would prick your finger and they'd get a drop of blood. Then they put it into this machine that has a, a pendulum thing that's that's attached to it. And it kind of swings back and forth. So you've got this drop of blood in this pendulum thing. And then the practitioner would suggest to the drop of blood, you know, what different ailments might be wrong. <laughs> so, so he'd say, uh, is it is it heavy metals? And then he'd watch the pendulum. And if it, if it swung back and forth, he'd be like, oh, it's heavy metals. And if it didn't swing, he'd be like, uh, is it pesticides? And, and he just, you know, he just worked down this list of asking your blood what was wrong with it. Oh, man. It's just the crazy things that people do in this industry. You just got to laugh. And I laugh at myself too, because, you know, at a certain point in life, I would have bought into these things. I would have thought, oh yeah, maybe that's something legitimate. And you know, if I'm being honest, I still think those tests can be useful in provoking just outside the box thinking and making you see things from different angles and saying, oh, I wonder if this is the case. I mean, that's, you know, granted that you think it's somewhat legitimate. So anyways, one of the stats 
that the documentary gives is that in 96% of breast cancers, the woman has a root canal on the side of her face matching the side of the body that gets cancer, which is shocking if it's true. They, they repeat this stat over and over again. So, I mean, it sounds really shocking when you hear it. And, you know, I know they say correlation does not mean causation, but when you get into that 90th percentile, like you are close to causation there. You're as close as you can get with correlation. Let's just say that. So after I heard this, I went and looked for the source of that information uh, to see if it was actually accurate. And it probably comes from Dr. Weston Price, who I want to talk about today. Uh, I think he's the one who kind of pioneered all this thought behind root canals maybe not being so healthy um, because, yeah, he's he's like the master of controversy in some ways among the dental field. Uh, it's so weird. All the you know dentists I've talked to either love him or hate him. It's, it's very strange. So if you don't know who Dr. Weston Price was. He was a famous dentist in the early 1900s who traveled the world and documented a very interesting transition that many tribal people in the world were going through. And I really wish more people just understood and knew about this historical occurrence because it makes a lot of the modern world make sense. And it, it makes human health make sense too. So he would find these tribal people in Australia, Africa, you know, you name it, all over the place, uh, the islands, and he would document what they looked like and how their teeth looked. Uh, so all these, got all these pictures of these, you know, native people smiling and opening their mouth and pulling their, their cheeks back so you can see their molars and stuff. And the transition that they were going through was from their regular food sources that they were, you know, used to eating uh, to more westernized foods. So they would, they were going from like fresh meats, organs, fresh vegetables to canned fruits and vegetables, cooked grains, dried meats, things that could be imported and would travel well and, and, and they wouldn't go bad. And what Dr. Price found was that these tribal people on their traditional diet would have amazing teeth, uh, you know, wide jaws. They were really attractive looking. And I mean, you, you should see these people because they are the pinnacle of health and attractiveness. And I remember when I first saw them, I realized how our natural state of health is attractive and beautiful and bursting with life. The ugliness and obesity that is so celebrated in our culture is a sign that the organism is not doing well. There's something wrong going on there. Um, so these tribal people, they were very healthy, very beautiful. But their children, who they started on this canned food, would have narrow jaws. Their teeth would get crowded and mangled. Uh, their faces would elongate and become skinny. I don't know if you remember the Dr. Uh, Mew episode who, you know, mewing, who would teach you how to, you know, have your neck properly aligned and stuff so that your, your face would develop properly as you grew up. Um, he would say that your face is supposed to kind of grow out and wide and that, that makes the most attractive faces and the faces that elongate and become skinny are less attractive. So these children, their faces would elongate and become skinny and their teeth would get crowded and they would have more cavities. They had many more cavities than their parents. And it's, I mean, it's really amazing. Um, if you want to see it, Google Dr. Price tribal teeth or something along those lines and you can see it. 
it's it's really cool. I mean, it, it sucks that it happened, but it is cool that it is documented by Dr. Price. So Dr. Price, he's he's really this trailblazer, um, dentist. He's discovering things, uh, the importance of fat-soluble vitamins, ancestral diets. Next, he points his attention to root canals. He starts taking root canal teeth from dead people and sewing those teeth underneath the skin of rabbits. <laughs> and he finds that the rabbits then die from the same thing that the humans died from. So if the humans died of a heart attack, he would pull out a tooth, you know, a root canal tooth from the cadaver, and he'd put that root canal under the skin of a test rabbit. And in no time at all, that test rabbit would also die of a heart attack. He would then take the tooth out of the first test rabbit, which died of a heart attack, and he'd put it into another test rabbit. And it too would die of a heart attack. And he could do this over and over again with that same tooth, up to 60 rabbits, just gunning rabbits down with heart attacks over and over again. (laughs) And it wasn't just heart attacks that this worked with. It worked with rheumatoid arthritis, with other diseases. Um, He's just, he was just this rabbit killer of massive proportions because he went through 60,000 rabbits. He did this to 60,000 rabbits. This is a rabbit genocide to come up with this theory called the focal infection theory, which basically posits that an infected tooth uh, can cause other problems, other diseases to, to pop up in other places of the body. And this was kind of a crazy theory. People didn't believe focal infection theory at all. They, they, the theory fell out of favor rapidly after he came up with it. Um, I don't. I'm not sure why. I don't know if they they tried to do the rabbit heart attack trick and it it didn't work, or they just didn't want to. I mean, <laughs> who hears about this study and is like, yeah, let's do it. Line up those rabbits. It's time. It's time to get heart attacking. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, most dentists and doctors they would say that the whole idea that a tooth could cause a heart attack is just absurd. That is, until the early 2000s, when research started to point to a connection between tooth infection and heart disease. Turns out, an infection in your tooth can get into your bloodstream, travel to your heart, and cause damage, untold damage, root canals, you know? Um, When they get chronically infected, they can cause chronic inflammation and damage to the heart. So, turns out, crazy old Dr. Price, the rabbit slayer, the, the rabbit holocaust, he was, he was onto something, which is why, you know, whenever I hear some theory that sounds crazy, I always ask, you know, but was he right? Was it true? Because some of our most cherished theories and laws of chemistry or whatnot, they were discovered in really strange ways. I mean, you start reading about it, people discovered just groundbreaking theories using hallucinogenics, dreams, prayer. So, I mean, it's good to keep an open mind. Anyway, uh, the documentary points this connection between root canals and heart disease out. Uh, It even claims that the root canals are the number one cause of heart disease, which is another really big claim, which I could not find a source for. I I looked everywhere for that one, but uh, I don't know. I think that one's a little far-fetched. It's gotten to the point though, where cardiologists are starting to be told that, you you know, they should inquire about recent dentistry work from any heart disease patient. So, I mean, this is going mainstream. There, there is a solid connection here. So, the bottom line, I think, with these root canals, 
from my reading, I, I think the main draw of them is that you get to keep your tooth. Nobody wants to have a tooth pulled and lose it for the rest of their life. It is just such a shocking thing to go into a dentist with a, with a sore tooth and they say, you know, we got to pull it. It's just, it's just like, oh, I don't, I don't want to lose it. A root canal, though, it gives you the illusion that you don't have to lose that tooth. But the fact is, teeth are not just pieces of lifeless bone in your mouth. They are alive. They have a blood supply. Uh, ancient Chinese medicine says that they have meridians going through them. After a root canal, that tooth is dead. I mean, it's no longer getting all the life from your body that the rest of your teeth are. And having something dead in, in your mouth is, is probably not a great idea long term. Uh, one thing Dr. Price said was that every tooth canal he extracted was in fact infected. Like every single one eventually had bacteria infesting it. And he wasn't the only one saying that either. I mean, other sources I was reading while I was you know researching this episode, they also said that the vast majority of root canal teeth that they extracted and studied were infected, which it that makes sense to me. Um, you know, your, your immune system is what keeps the bacteria at bay. And if that tooth is dead, it's only a matter of time before the bacteria get in there and take up residence. So for all intents and purposes, I think the right attitude to have, uh, when a root canal is suggested by a dentist is to ask, have I done everything I can to try to save this tooth? Because whether it's pulled or whether I have a root canal, that tooth is gone. It's dead. The difference is just whether it stays in my mouth or not. And maybe you can save the tooth. Maybe you can use clove oil and ozone and vitamin C. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's hope there. Or maybe it's so infected that it, it's already dead anyway. You know, it, just pull it out. It's a decision you're going to have to make with the dentist. So if you do decide that the tooth is pulled, that, that, that it's gone, uh, there are possibly safer alternatives to a root canal. So you, so you get the tooth pulled. Um, you don't get the root canal. After it's pulled, you need to make sure the dentist properly cleans and disinfects the socket and removes the periodontal ligament. Uh, this came up over and over again in my research. If the ligament is not removed, what can happen is the bone may not heal properly and may create what is called a cavitation. A cavitation is when the bone partially heals, but a small pocket is left where bacteria or fungus can kind of take up residence and cause problems. So you don't want that. But assuming that the dentist does these things correctly, it will take a couple months for the bone and everything to heal, which is annoying. You know, you got this socket wherever that tooth that uh, came out is. After it heals, you have some options. So first, you can get an implant, which is a look-alike tooth that gets drilled into your jaw. Now, there's different kinds of implants. The most common are titanium implants. The problem with these is you are putting metal into your jaw that can potentially cause issues. And these can be like picking up radio frequencies, you know, in your head and autoimmune diseases and things like that. Uh, one of the dentists who I really, uh, who is really against root canals and who I, I watched a great video on, uh, Dr. Hal Huggins, he says that an implant is just as bad as root canals and they disrupt all kinds of body systems. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Thankfully, there is a safer option to titanium called a zirconium implant. They're not as durable as titanium, and they may need to be replaced every decade or so. But 
you know, you're not going to get NPR buzzed into your brain as you're falling asleep either. That might, that might be kind of nice, actually. I don't know. The other option, which I like, is a resin-bonded bridge where they hold a false tooth in place over the empty socket by bonding a frame to the backside of the two teeth teeth next to the hole. So no drilling into your jaw with this one. It's it's much less invasive. Uh, It's just a false tooth that's glued into place, which the only real downside is you have to clean under it really well, uh, but you know, it's, it's pretty safe. Um, other types of bridges are out there too, where they grind down the teeth next to the socket. Those probably aren't so good. You probably don't want to be grinding down healthy teeth, but this resin bridge seems very, very healthy. Um, but the thing I think that is really important about this documentary and just what I want to get across with this episode is just to be aware that this is a problem. Um, The amount of people who I came across who had mysterious illnesses disappear after getting a root canal pulled, it was staggering. I mean, there are dentists who are just constantly pulling old root canals to improve people's health. I mean, it's like a major industry that I I wasn't aware of, and I don't think many other people are aware of, of just these dentists just, yeah, come in, pull out the root canals, pull out the root canals. So if you do have a root canal, you know, it isn't the end of the world just be aware that a large amount of these do go bad over time. You know, bacteria gets in there because it's basically a piece of dead tissue in your mouth. I mean, if you had dead tissue anywhere else, you know, they would cut it out of you. If if one of your toes was dead, it would be getting gangrene. They take that thing off. So just be aware that they can go bad. If you do ask a dentist, some will tell you that root canals are fine that, you know, the fear is overblown and a well-done root canal doesn't cause other health problems. Other dentists will tell you, let's get those root canals taken out. You know, they're, they're ready to start pulling. So you get to decide which one you believe. Uh, For me, I would get the bridge if I had a choice. Thankfully, I don't have any root canals, but if that happened, I would get the bridge. So lastly, if you did just have a root canal and it's been a few months and you're having some strange health problems starting to pop up, maybe you know your immune system seems run down, you're uh, unusually stressed or tired, uh, if something just seems off and you can't really put your finger on it, it could be the new root canal. Um, there are 25 million root canals done in America each year, so you are definitely not alone. And from all the research I did on this, uh, on this subject, it is entirely possible that many of the chronic disease epidemics we are facing are caused by root canals and, you know, other dental procedures, mercury, that kind of thing. And wouldn't, wouldn't that just be a trip if we were blaming GMOs and pesticides and plastics and all this other crap, which, you know, it's not good. But in the end, it was the root canals and the mercury in our mouth that was, you know, the real epidemic. Could be, could be. It would be crazy. So that's what I have of for root canals. I hope that's helpful. Um, I wanted to give a quick, quick update on the meat, the raw meat scenario. So figured something out that I think is pretty important to share. Um, I was having more and more trouble sleeping. I, I detailed this a bit in the main raw meat episode and it was getting pretty bad to the, to the point where I was like, okay, I need to change something up. You know, I was getting like two or three hours, wake up for a while, two or three hours, you know, I mean, it was just not, it was not good. So I stopped exercising and this, a strange thing happened is 
I started losing more weight after I stopped exercising. See, I, I kind of plateaued out back in, you know, November or end of November. I started just doing a lot more exercise because I was feeling so good. I, I had all this energy. The meat was coursing through my veins. And so I was just, you know, I was pounding the pavement. I was doing push-ups, pull-ups and stuff. And so I got up to doing maybe 12,000 steps a day, sometimes 15,000, sometimes 17,000 if it was a weekend. Uh, and so... I was walking a lot and doing a lot of exercise and I stopped doing that. And all of a sudden my weight, which had plateaued, remember I lost like eight pounds really fast. Uh, my weight had plateaued for all of December and, and into January. I started to lose weight again. So this has only been two or three weeks and I've already lost another three pounds or so. Uh, I get on the scale maybe once every other day and I'm always 0.2 to 0.4 pounds less than I was when I got on the scale just a couple days before. So pretty cool. Maybe losing about a pound a week here. Uh, and I figure at some point that'll slow down or I'll get skinny enough that I'll want to just start exercising again and building muscle again. And that's, that's what I'm going to do. I also want to say I was shedding a lot of hair when I was doing all the walking, like, you know, in the shower, I was seeing a bunch of hair in the drain and now you know, one or two hairs a day, no big deal. So I, I was just really overdoing it with the exercise. Um, I also switched out from beef to chicken. I'm doing raw chicken now. I do basically one raw chicken breast per day. Uh, I get it from the same meat shop that I go to. It's, it's like super fresh. It's from a local farm. So I'm not too worried about the, the, bacteria and stuff you know after i talked to weston i just i think the bacteria thing is is very overblown um so there's that um the last thing i wanted to mention was i've been using sodium bicarbonate more often uh and it really helps with the euphoria and the feelings of like confidence and strength and power that i get from meat I don't know why. Like, I, I don't do the bicarbonate around the meat. I usually do it maybe four or five af hours afterwards just because I don't want to nuke my stomach acid, which is obviously helpful in breaking those meats down. But I remember one time Ray Pete said something like, the main source of acidity in your diet is generally from meat. You know, the uh, amino acids are acidic. And so I wonder if the sodium bicarbonate is balancing the meat in some way that is just helping it feel better to my body. So I, I mean, I definitely have noticed uh, more feelings of happiness and strength and confidence and just a positive outlook on life. And those were starting to go away with all the exercise I was doing. Those were starting to kind of taper off. I wasn't getting the same euphoric feelings. So that's definitely something interesting, uh, something to keep in mind if you're following along with this uh, little experiment. So anyway, that is the update for now. Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, if you have any feedback, you know, if you like this episode, if you don't like this episode, shoot me an email at quacks. Uh, podcast at gmail.com or you can leave a comment on you know the youtube channel whatever i'm out there so thank you so much for listening everybody talk to you soon you are.